Hello all, and welcome to this episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's military mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is the second in a two-part series titled Finding Old Shaky Buried in a Glacier with 52 MIAs aboard. And I'm your host, Rick Stone. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the foundation, visit our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. If you're hearing this preview of No Home for Heroes on YouTube or Audio Burst, we invite you to listen to the complete podcast on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast or streaming platform you prefer. Stay tuned while we tell you what atomic bombs, missing jewels, a Hollywood star, and a ghost ID card have to do with an airplane buried in a glacier for over 60 years with 52 missing servicemen on board. All of us here at the Foundation want to apologize for this episode being a day late due to the death of a one member of our Foundation family. We dedicate this episode to just one loyal listener we lost yesterday, Mr. Mulligan. In fact, Mulligan was actually in the studio for our very first episode of No Home for Heroes, and he listened patiently to many other MIA mystery stories, always attentive, but never critical, never critical of our efforts to solve history's military mysteries. You are missed tremendously, Mr. Mulligan. It is noted with great pride and honor that your burial will include your dog tags as a reminder that no one ever dies who is not forgotten. Fair winds and following seas, old friend. Life goes on for those who remember you forever. And now, on with our show. Today's story is the grand finale in an epic that was just chock too full of history's military mysteries to be told in only one podcast. We invite you to listen first to episode 39 for part one of Finding Old Shaky Buried in a Glacier to set the stage for the many bizarre coincidences and odd head-scratchers that we will enumerate in today's closing production. As we said last week, These two episodes of No Home for Heroes are perhaps our all-time winners in the Twilight Zone category. So, once again, conjure up old Rod Serling and let's head off again into that world between sight and sound. We're going to fill your head with so many strange occurrences that you will think you have just entered the Twilight Zone. On board, Old Shaky, during the Korean War. To recap Part 1, Aircraft number 51-1107 took off from McCord Air Force Base in Tacoma, Washington for a projected 7-hour and 3-minute flight to Elmendorf Air Force Base in Anchorage, Alaska. The flight carried 52 men, passengers and crew, mostly Air Force and Army personnel, but one from the Marine Corps and one from the United States Navy. About 45 minutes or so before its scheduled landing in Anchorage, Alaska, the C-124 aircraft, collectively nicknamed Old Shaky, crashed into Mount Gannett on Colony Glacier, 
about 30 miles off its intended flight path. The gross weight of the aircraft prior to takeoff was 174,746 pounds, which was within a whisker of the C-124's maximum growth rate weight rating of 175,000 pounds. In fact, this issue will become an important factor in one of the enduring mysteries about this tragedy. The weather along aircraft 51-1107's flight path included 65 to 80 knot winds, but this fact was not relayed to the aircraft's pilot, Captain Duval, or the co-pilot, Captain Cheney. Captain Duval was flying on instruments only without radar in icy conditions between 8,300 and 9,000 feet when he unexpectedly flew into Mount Gannett at full power, which was hundreds of feet taller than his approved flight path altitude. In the gallows humor of military pilots of all generations, Captain Duval found that proverbial rock in a cloud. Well, Q. Rod Serling here, the host of TV's Twilight Zone, as a Northwest Orient Airlines passenger plane picked up a scratchy radio signal at about the time of the crash. On the distress channel, the radio signal said, quote, As long as we have to land, we might as well land here, end quote. It was never determined who sent this message. History's military mystery number one in this baffling case. The C-124A Globemaster was used extensively to transport nuclear weapons between Air Force bases in the 1950s and early 1960s, but the aircraft could provide airlift of hundreds of personnel and heavy equipment like tanks during exercises and overseas deployments. A search for Old Shaky was delayed by very bad weather which continued for three days after the aircraft failed to arrive at Elmendorf Air Force Base. A member of the Fairbanks Civil Air Patrol first spotted the tail section of Old Shaky sticking out of the snow on Mount Gannett six days after it was reported lost. Over two weeks after the crash, searchers finally reached the tail section in blizzard conditions finding no trace of survivors or the 52 missing American servicemen, further recovery activity was called off, and ultimately the passengers and crew were officially declared dead by the Department of Defense. The official cause of the crash was determined to be navigational error as the aircraft was approximately 30 miles off course, with secondary factors including weather and radio difficulties. It was suspected that the high-velocity crosswinds reported by other pilots in the area pushed Old Shaky significantly off course and into an area where mountains were higher than the planned altitude of their flight. And there, buried in the snow and ice on Colony Glacier, sat the remains of Old Shaky, who the government had paid $1,939,495 to build and it cost the 52 families a lost American hero. Lost, that is, for almost 60 years until I answered a telephone call from an Air Force Lieutenant Colonel at Elmendorf Air Force Base, who reported the discovery in June of 2012 of a possible crash site 
which the Colony Glacier had finally decided to reveal. Members of the Alaska National Guard observed debris from the air at the crash site. They landed and discovered a large number of artifacts, including a dog tag for Captain Duvall, a leather-bound flight log, two packs of camel cigarettes, paper military orders that were in remarkable condition, a plastic laminated military ID card, cockpit items, large items like aircraft tires, and an aircraft access cover with a number on it. They also found human remains. These items, frankly, were all expected to be present at Old Shaky's crash site, but then the Twilight Zone type of mystery revealed itself. A military ID card belonging to Private Gene Reef was found at the site of the subject crash reported by Elmendorf Air Force Base. The only problem was Private Reef was not listed as being on the flight manifest of Old Shaky. He was not listed as either a crewman or a passenger. In fact, my investigation revealed that Private Reef was the youngest of 11 children of Carl and Alta May Reef. He had a ninth grade education when he was drafted into the United States Army on 10 April 1952, approximately seven months before Old Shaky went down. Private Reef was discharged from the Army after serving his two year hitch on 1 April. 1954, a year and a half after Old Shaky, carrying 52 American servicemen and Private Reef's identification card, were found. Further investigation revealed that Private Reef was never married and had no known children. He died of natural causes at age 77 in a nursing home in Covington, Kentucky on 19 November 2004, almost 52 years to the day after Old Shaky's crash into Mount Gannett. No autopsy was performed. Private Reef is today buried in Greenwood Cemetery in Hamilton, Ohio. It is another remaining history's military mystery about this case. Why or how Private Reef's military ID card was at the crash site. We may never know the answer to this mystery. Another passenger who I confirmed was on board Old Shaky was Air Force Intelligence Investigator. His name was Colonel Eugene Smith. Long lost to history, Colonel Smith gained great notoriety at the time by solving the famous Hess Crown Jewelry theft case pertaining to the looting of stolen German treasures at the end of World War II. The treasure included packets of rings, coins, tiaras, necklaces, loose diamonds, and other jewels, which were estimated to be worth some $2.5 million in 1945, or roughly $31 million today. Only $1 million worth of jewels was recovered from the $2.5 million that was taken during the theft. It was reported that up that there were 270 recovered items. These items filled a vault measuring 22 cubic feet. The items that were returned to its rightful owners included 54 loose rubies, 67 loose emeralds, a large 116.2 carat sapphire, 
loose diamonds weighing over 280 carats, a platinum bracelet encrusted with over 400 diamonds, and a platinum bracelet and watch set with over 600 diamonds. Since most of the settings were damaged from having the stones pried out, many of the recovered items had lost a lot of their value. Although today the case is considered closed, over half the Hess crown jewels are still missing and have never been recovered. When I briefed the initial JPAC, that's Joint POW Accounting Command, recovery team, with the information about Colonel Smith and his famous historical case prior to the team's deployment to the crash site in 2012, the JPAC laboratory manager assigned indicated obvious interest in a, quote, treasure hunt for the missing jewels at the crash site. I guess he assumed that Colonel Smith had kept the treasure. I reminded the laboratory manager of an old police adage that says, quote, don't do the crime if you can't do the time, end quote. The lab manager assured me that he would be willing to do the time for that kind of payoff. <laughs> I hoped he was kidding. Later, as facts resulted, I determined his character was such that he probably was serious when he made that quote. Another passenger on Old Shaky was Lieutenant Colonel Lawrence S. Singleton. Lieutenant Colonel Singleton was the former husband of Penny Singleton, a radio star and movie actress from the 1930s through the 1950s. You may remember her for her portrayal of Blondie in a series of movies about the comic strip character. You may have seen some of these old black and white movies on late night TV along with the reruns of the Twilight Zone series. The co-pilot of Old Shaky was Captain Alger Meredith Cheney. You may have heard this last name before in recent American history. A citizen who previously contacted JPAC before the crash site was discovered reported that Captain Cheney was an ancestor of former Vice President of the United States, Dick Cheney. In another one of history's military mysteries inside this case, the cargo manifest of Old Shaky, designated flight number D, that's Delta, 39-22, was given a cursory examination at the time I initiated the original JPAC investigation. One of the things that jumped out at me was that I discovered that the flight had been delayed for unknown reasons related to cargo. The known weight of the fueled aircraft and estimated weight of the personnel, listed cargo, and other baggage appeared to be significantly less than the actual weight noted in the aircraft accident report. I was instructed to transfer the case from the J-2 Intelligence Directorate at JPAC, where I worked, to the J-3, or Operations Directorate. I was instructed to transfer this case before I could follow up on this discrepancy about what was actually loaded on board Old Shaky. I no longer have access and didn't have access at the time I initiated this investigation to evidence and documents pertaining to the cargo manifest. The question is, was she also transporting something that she had been originally designed to carry? There are no known reports of a, quote, broken arrow, which is military parlance for a missing nuclear weapon on board Old Shaky. 
So this odd circumstance also falls into history's military mysteries Twilight Zone category about this case. Beginning with my investigation in June 2012, annual recovery missions have been mounted for a period of approximately 30 days each summer in an attempt to find the remains of the missing crew members from Old Shaky. On 8 October 2015, over three years after I initiated the case, the Air Force released the names of the first two airmen identified who died aboard Old Shaky. The families of Air Force Captain Walter Perrin Tribble of Champaign, Illinois, and Airman 2nd Class Bernice F. White of Fordyce, Arkansas, were told of the identification and offered military funerals by the Air Force. The two men's remains were recovered in 2014, but a series of scandals by the Joint POW-MIA Accounting Command personnel, which were reported in the media, delayed the identification of the crash victims. At the time of this podcast, a total of 41 members from Oshaki have been recovered and identified by the Department of Defense, primarily due to recovery operations by the Air Force and the forensic analysis by the Armed Forces DNA Identification Laboratory. There are currently 11 American service members from the crash of Oshaki which comprise the list of, quote, unresolved, end quote, casualties. These are 2nd Lieutenant Reginald Bowie, who was a passenger, Captain William Nelson Coombs, who was also a passenger, Captain Delbert D. Drasky, a passenger, Captain Jerome H. Goble, a passenger, Airman 3rd Class James R. Kimball, who was a member of the crew as a flight attendant, 2nd Lieutenant Jack R. Leaford, Jr., who was a passenger. Airman 2nd Class Dan F. McMahon, a passenger. Airman 2nd Class Edward J. Miller, a passenger. Airman 1st Class Sterling E. Newsom, a passenger. And Master Sergeant Edward J. Schnorr, who was also a passenger. And finally, Airman 3rd Class a member of the crew who was the radio operator, Airman 3rd Class, Marion Lee Scott, continues to be among the missing. Annual recovery missions are currently planned by the Department of Defense until such time as all remaining casualties from Old Shaky are either recovered or glacial activity completely pushes the crash site off the edge of the glacier and into nearby Lake George. No treasure or atomic weapons have been reported recovered at the crash site, but searchers did find a rubber child's doll. Another history's military mysteries? Well, perhaps, but that will have to wait for a future episode of No Home for Heroes. Thank you for listening to this second of a two-part episode of No Home for Heroes. It's been a real Twilight Zone journey in finding Old Shaky. We hope you've enjoyed today's production, and we invite you to check out our other episodes. Please subscribe for free to Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you like to listen to podcasts, so that you will always be notified when a new episode is ready. We will post a new episode of History's Military Mysteries Missing in Action 
every Saturday just for you. Episodes of No Home for Heroes are produced from the actual investigative case files of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation, dedicated to providing information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American servicewomen. As always, we greatly appreciate your comments, and a special link is available for you to contact us on our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. You sure don't want to miss our next episode on No Home for Heroes. We'll have another exciting true story about one, or maybe even more than one, of our missing American heroes. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds and following seas. I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that poor is the nation that has no heroes, but shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them. <laughs>